0: Hi, and welcome uh, back to another episode of the Locked On College Football Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Reed, alongside my co-host, Jonah Tolls, and it has been a while, so Jonah, I must ask, man, how was your new year?
1: Listen, man, it's off to a great start, because the Dallas Cowboys are searching for a new head coach, <laughs> so uh, I am happy about that. I'm happy a uh, fresh start. The longest decade of my life as a sports fan, so I'm happy that to start fresh there. Um, but I'm sure you're happy with the new year as well. Come off a big playoff win. Kirk yeah, Cousins, and- man. Talk about him.
0: Biggest win in his career by far. And I was on the edge of my seat that entire game just because I thought the Vikings dominated the game for the most part, especially defensively. I think that was probably the most surprising part just because they haven't played well. That well, they I won't say they haven't played well. They haven't played accustomed to what we have been seeing in years past. Xavier Rose has taken a the huge step back, and then some other guys up front they are a bit older now. So the Vikings defense hasn't been as great as they have been in years past. But I thought they completely shut down Drew Brees, man, and that's something that a lot of people didn't really know about. Every time the Vikings play against Drew Brees, he doesn't really do a whole bunch against them, and they seem to always have his number. Mike Zimmer always seems to have Sean Payton's number for whatever it is. Sean Payton just can't get over the hump of beating Mike Zimmer, especially in the postseason. So it was really good to see that. And then just watching some of the videos on social media after the game, Kirk Cousins, it was like, man, a gorilla was lifted off his back. It wasn't just a monkey. It was a gorilla. <laughs> Him winning a big game, man. It's, I'm super happy for that guy.
1: So you like that?
0: Oh, absolutely, man. He said <laughs> it in the locker room, too. He said it in the locker room. <laughs> yep. I was really hey, happy man, that he I, did say that.
1: I got to tell you, that that throw he made, Thielen, man, unbelievable! Oh, yeah, um, and, the, and then the fade route to Rudolph. Yeah. And see, I, I hope that whole narrative about Cousins not showing up in the big game is just over now because he played like he he, he played so good this year, and I, I'm just so glad that he capped it off with a playoff win because that was always going to be the narrative with him is that he couldn't get to done the big game, and he him just wrong in that. He's been a good quarterback this season, and he finally gets the national attention he deserves. Kudos to him! I'm really proud of that
0: guy. Super happy for him, man. But it doesn't get any easier going to San Francisco, number one seed. So I'm excited about that. But just happy to see my team in the postseason. Something that you're not able to. Experience.
1: All right, come on, we have to take shots here.
0: We have to take shots here. I have to, man. I have to. But we do. We do have a really good show lined up for you guys today. Of course, to attack of is announcing his decision whether to go pro or to return to Alabama today at noon Eastern time, 11 central time that is scheduled to be with head coach Nick Saban. So there's a lot of whispers about he may come back. He may declare last year. We saw Nick Saban host a press conference, with a bunch with a bunch of Alabama guys that ended up declaring for the draft last year. So a lot of people really are pointing back to that saying, is going to come out but we don't really know what's going to happen with that decision but I do want to break down the pros and the cons of him going back and of course him going to the pros so with that being said I want to get your idea first of the pros from this decision so what is your overall thoughts on him coming out and do you think it would be the correct decision
1: you want my honest opinion on this and I'm just going to be flat out blunt with you there are no pros to him going back to Alabama there, there's zero, zero, yeah. none I agree. If, if you're going to spend a redshirt year, spend it in the NFL, not another year in college. You're going to get paid. You get under coaching you know, under NFL coaching. If there's no reason for you. If you're, if you're not going to play next year, make sure you don't play in the NFL and not in another year in Alabama. It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, and plus, I think he's a top five, top ten lock still, even with this injury. If he comes out this year, next year he will have to compete with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, who people would argue are better quarterback prospects when healthy than Tua is. So it's going to be very interesting to see you know, what he decides to do because, to me, I think it's a no-brainer decision. Come out, get drafted in the top 5-10, take a registered year in 2020, and become the face of the franchise for whatever team drafts you in 2021. That's the plan I think he should take. But again, I'm not him. He has his own personal decision to make. But if he believes he can play, he believes he wants to win a national championship, go ahead. But at the same time, just know you're facing two, you know, what people would like to call probably generational quarterback prospects in Lawrence and Fields next year. You know, probably the third quarterback drafted in that class with all the questions surrounding durability, size, and all that. So just keep that in mind. But, uh, yeah, it's next. uh, you know, tomorrow's podcast is going to be really interesting because we're going to get, obviously, the decision, the aftermath, and all that. But to me, when I see Nick Saban going to the press conference, making such a big deal out of it, I think he's declaring. And I I think all signs point to that. It had, we it's been pointed out for the last couple of weeks now, but it, it would just shock me if he went back, considering all the pros of coming out and going to the NFL draft this year.
0: I'm with you, and I just don't see, like, what would make him come back. And I understand that he maybe wants to chase another national title, but... I think you're spot on as far as saying if you're going to spend a red shirt year, let it be in the NFL while you're making money, you're getting paid for what you do, as opposed to sitting out or I shouldn't say sitting out, but going back and just risking re-injuring. And, you know, are, you already have a label of not being durable. And if you exactly. risk another injury your stock is really going to be derailed at that point. And then, like you said in our last podcast, you get into a situation where he becomes a Sean Deion Hamilton to where he could completely derail his stock, and he drops even a couple rounds. And I know quarterbacks are always in high demand, but who's going to take a quarterback that has had surgery on both his ankles, his hip, and now if he experiences another injury in 2020, there's not going to be a lot of teams that are willing to risk an early-round selection on that type of quarterback.
1: Absolutely, and here's, and here's the thing, too, man. You're talking about another 365 days of negative news around your draft stock and your durability and all that. Man, just strike while the iron's hot. I, I understand, like, your, your draft stock, Tua's draft stock's not, never going to be higher than what it is right now. I know he was effectively the number one pick before the season and all that, but then Joe Burrow came out of nowhere and decided that he was going to be the Heisman and did all that. So Tua's not going to be the number one pick this year, but he's not going to be the number one pick in 2021, that's for sure. You're going to have Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields do that. But so I, I think your, your draft stock's not going to get higher than what it is right now. You're maybe, what, what's his floor? Like 10, 11? It, yeah. It's not going to go. I mean, the, I'd be shocked if the, both the Dolphins and the Chargers passed on him. And then if he gets past the Panthers, then we got another problem. You know, that's five, six, and seven, three consecutive teams. And if you look in recent history, you know, quarterbacks that did not go number one overall were all traded up for Mitchell Trubisky, Deshaun Watson. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, all these quarterbacks are traded up for. So two is going to have a high, you know, demand when it comes to draft days. Some teams going to go up and get him, I think. So your draft stock's going to get higher than what it is right now. It can only go down if you go back to Alabama because, like you said, if he plays again, and he gets hurt. The whole it's going to be another 365 days of oh, he can't play healthy. He's, he's never going to be durable. Uh, it's so many, so many question marks. And then you enter the loaded quarterback class with Fields and Lawrence. It just makes zero sense for him to go back to Alabama. I think he's coming out. And I I just I would be floored. Floored if he decides to go back to Alabama.
0: The key you said is strike while the iron is hot. And we know Joe Burrow is gonna go number one overall. I mean you can put that, you can set it in stone. It is what it is. He can already I believe you tweeted out after LSU played Oklahoma that you can go ahead, he can go ahead and start looking at property in Cincinnati. So Joe is going to go number one. But after that, it's really a toss up who's going to be the next quarterback selected. But I think Tua still would be the front runner, even though he is not healthy right now. But I think teams will be willing uh, to risk it all on him in a sense. And I think I keep saying this number three, Detroit, that is the key spot to key in on for a team that could trade up ahead of Miami or even if Miami wants to trade up. And select Tua. I think he, I think his floor is five, but I think his ceiling is third, right after Chase Young. I think a team is going to trade up to draft Tua at that number three spot. And I know we're a couple months away uh, from the draft, and there's a lot of stuff that has to come out, and what he still has to go through as far as the process. But I think we're looking at a situation where it could be Joe Burrow one, Chase Young two, and two or three.
1: Absolutely, and honestly, you know, this may come as a surprise. To people. I think it starts at two. If the Redskins get offered one of those, you know,
0: just monster
1: trades, like three or four first-round picks to that number two spot, just move back, I think they would do it. You know, I, I, I love Chase. I think Chase Young's best player in this draft. we documented it in years past. But when it's for a quarterback, man, you can get that kind of capital. Man, I, I don't know. I, I think the Redskins would probably do that. And, uh, you know, there's going to be a new management over there. I know they're not going to be hiring a new GM before the draft. But, you know, if, if Miami comes calling with all those first-round picks – I think the Redskins might do that trade. So I wouldn't discount the Redskins just locking on Chase Young right away. You know, that's probably what's going to happen. About 95% sure they can go Chase Young there. But the other 5% of me thinks, okay, well, if you get, you know, a King's ransom there, they might end up doing it.
0: Man, that's a bold prediction, (laughs) I must say. And I know there probably would be a lot of uh, outraged Redskins fans, I should say, just because they seem to be locked in on Chase Young he is one of the more notable names in college football just because of what he did uh, throughout the year. So, it's going to be interesting to see exactly what happens at that second and third spot, especially with the Redskins not having a general manager and them coming out and saying that they're not going to hire one after the draft. Did you see that?
1: Yeah, and it it just it, it just speaks to the, you know, the turmoil in that front office, right? And we've talked about all yeah. year Dan Snyder. I mean, just I don't even know what to say anymore, honestly. I mean, when you got with the whole situation of Scott McLuhan a couple of years ago, Bruce Allen the last decade, and Dan Steyer kind of being the puppet master behind everything, I man, it's just, it's really just sad to watch, you know. And, but uh, if, if you look at the recent history, the first round picks, I mean, they've really done a good job drafting first rounders and, you know, bringing in some good talent. I mean, they brought in, they had a really good draft last year. Terry McLaurin, Montez Sweat, uh, they brought in a lot of good players. But, you know, it's it just you know, just so much turmoil and so much just chaos with an organization that's kind of holding back these players from reaching their full potential. Uh, and then, you know, when you let guys like Preston Smith walk out your door go to green, it's, there, there's no continuity there. So you yeah. just wonder if that's ever going to change if they bring in new GM. You wonder if that's ever going to change when Dan Snyder is the owner and really controlling that team.
0: Dysfunction. That's the easiest way to describe the Redskins, and I know they still have. They have some promise right now with Ron Rivera. I know he's a guy that can bring in some stability, just because that's what he did with the Carolina Panthers, and even taking those guys to the to the Super Bowl back in 2015, I believe it was. So, this is the best or the outlook, the best outlook that the team has had, I think, in a very long time, probably since the heyday of when uh Shanahan was there I should Mike Shanahan was there when they went to the playoffs on the RG3 years I think that's probably the best outlook that the team has had over the past few years and I know Jay Gruden came in there and did a really good job but the Redskins really were rolling uh, when Shanahan was in charge and you know RG3 was at his peak and I think this is probably the most positive things I should say just because the dysfunction with that organization has just been terrible over the past few years. So, of course, the Redskins, everybody's going to have their eye on them, and I think they probably got the best coach on the market right now that we know of in Ron Rivera, and it was smart of them to lock him up. But, George, let, let, me, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm? If you were the G, if you were hired as the GM of the Redskins by Dan Snyder,
1: the Honorable Dan Snyder, if you were hired by Dan Snyder to be the GM of the Redskins, and the Dolphins offered you the fifth, the fifth pick, they offered you, you know, the, and their other two first round picks, the Steelers pick and the Texans pick. To move up to number two, would you do that after you're the Redskins GM? Or no, you take without question.
0: Johnson? No, i will take the trade.
1: Yeah. See, I'm all about – I'm,
0: I'm always team trade back, man. And we've seen, yeah. like – I'm all about having an elite edge rusher, but we've seen teams like the Bears and, you know, the Raiders are another great example is – you can have an elite edge rusher, but you have to get the quarterback position right. And I'm exactly. a believer in Dwayne Haskins, but I think they're just so far off offensively. They have to exactly. find some way and some guys to surround them. And I think their defensive line is already good. I mean, you have Deron Payne, you have Jonathan Allen, Matt Ionidas, and you have some other guys along that defensive front that are impressive as well. And Chase, Montez Sweat, another guy that's coming along really nicely as well. And I know Chase Young, he's a really top-flight prospect, but if I can trade back, and get what two more first-round picks? I yep. definitely am going to do that.
1: And you know, and I asked you that because, like you said, Redskins fans might be a little in outrage if they, you know, trade out from Chase Young and they think, "Oh, we're getting too cute." You know, just take the best part on the board. But man, if you you know, three first-round picks now—I mean, that that could really man. change the course of your franchise. Yeah, and I, I love Chase. Like I said, Chase Young, top player on my board has been since the end of May. You know, and the, when we start this whole process, but. You know, it, I'm with you, man. I have a scout's mindset on this. Give me the picks. And I, I'll, I'll find a way to make my team better with those three picks than Chase Young. I, I love Chase Young, but, you know, no edge rusher is worth that kind of capital. And I, I just feel like, you know, I, if, if, I'm just keeping the possibility open because, like I said earlier, recent history shows if you don't have the number one overall pick, you're likely trading up for your quarterback. And right. I, I just don't know if two is going to make it to five. I know a lot of mock drafts have it that way, but it just never materializes like that on draft day, right? Always something happens to where a team wants to move up ahead of the Dolphins. And that's going to happen in the entire pre-draft process. We hear rumors about, oh, they need to get ahead of the Dolphins. The Dolphins second taking Tua. So don't be, don't be surprised if Dolphins label Tua as their guy really early on and start targeting the Lions and the Redskins as potential options to move up and secure him um, and get him long-term.
0: I think it's going to be reminiscent of what we saw with Sam Darnold. Remember that happening a couple years ago yep, where exactly. we saw it, I believe it was like two weeks out from the draft. When oh, the no, it
1: was like a month and a half. It was like a month before that. It was like a month yeah. and a half. It, it's because they traded up to number three, I believe, with the Colts. And they traded all their second-round picks. I think they traded three second-round picks, two of which I think became Braden Smith and Darius Leonard. And they traded those picks – just basically secure themselves one of the top three quarterbacks in that draft. I think it was between Rosen, Allen, and Darnold. They wanted the three, and then they're connected to Baker Mayfield for a while, but apparently Darnold's the top quarterback on their board. So, yeah, you could see a situation just like that as well. So, it, it's going to be really interesting to see what all happens here. And it, this is going to sound crazy, but man, there could be a scenario where the first three picks in this draft are all quarterbacks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would be crazy, man.
1: Because, I mean, you're talking about there's just so many teams that I think are going to want that new kind of start fresh. Carolina might be one of those teams. Talking about what if Chicago says, all right, we're, we're going to Mitchell Trubisky. Right. And then you got, yeah. you know, Tampa Bay Dolphins. is another one. Jacksonville is going to want to blow it up. Yeah. I mean, what, if, what if the new Las Vegas Raiders want to make a splash? You know, it's just right. there can be so many. I, I'm just living as possibility. There's a possibility. It's unlikely. And it'll be a chaos, but one,
0: two, three be quarterbacks. I'm excited, man. And, you know, we're like two or three weeks out from the Senior Bowl, I believe. So that's really when <laughs> things start to speed up. That's when draft season really hits for me. Once I'm heading down the Mobile, it's like, oh, okay, it, it's showtime, man. And I'm really excited. I'm already antsy. You know, we got the credential email uh, a couple of days ago. <laughs> it's like, man, Christmas is almost here. The Senior Bowl <laughs> is like Christmas for scouting. So. Really excited, but something I did not tell you guys is that in the second segment of the show, we're going to go through my latest mock draft, which is up now. It is up on the Draft Network. Be sure to check that out. It is my 4.0, my fourth edition of my mock draft, and we're going to go through that, but first I want to remind you guys about Casper. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory phones for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. Get $100 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash LOCKEDNFL and using that code at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. If you can't visit Casper right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at Podcast.com slash offers. Again, that's visit casper.com. That's C-A-S-P-E-R.com. And using the promo code NFL, that's L-O-C-K-E-D, NFL, if you can't visit Casper right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at lockdownpodcast.com/ slash offers. All right, let's get to my fourth mock draft, and I'm excited about this. Jonah, for the listeners, he has no idea who I have in my <laughs> mock draft just because I wanted some instant reactions And it's not too much off the script, but I just want to get your thoughts on some picks that I did make in this draft. And, you know, we do hear some things. We both have friends around the league and we try to peg some of these guys from what we're actually hearing, but also some fits that we do actually like as well. So you ready, man?
1: Oh, I'm, I'm ready, man. I can't wait.
0: I'm sure, you know, who one and two are. That's pretty much a given Joe Burrow to the, Chase Chase Young to the Redskins, but number three, I have the Lions going with Jeffrey Okuda.
1: I love it. I absolutely Uh, love it.
0: I love this pick, man. And, you know, talking about pairing him with Darius Slay, a team that had the 28th-ranked pass defense from a year ago, according to Football Outsiders. They need some help on the back end of that defense. And I think this kind of is a mystery team to me just because I don't really know where to start with them. And it's not necessarily that they need to rebuild. I just don't know exactly what's wrong with them. But there's something wrong, if that does make sense. No, they were banged no, up for a sure. lot last year, and Matthew Stafford was down. He missed eight games a year ago, but there's just something missing with this team, and they went through 12-1 and one last year, which was very disappointing, but I'm going with Jeffrey Okuda here, pairing him with Darius Slay. I think that gives them a really nice duo at corner.
1: Let me tell you, you brought up how last year they were 28th in pass defense. This year, they were dead last, <laughs> dead oh, wow. last, and it wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. The last three games this year uh, of of the 2019 season, they gave up over 319 passing yards per game, average. That was insane. That was 20 yards more than any other team in the last three games of the season, and they got 284 yards per game on average throughout the season, which is three yards more than the Arizona Cardinals. So this Lions team is going to be hunting for secondary players and playmakers in that back end. And, you know, Darius Slade's contract runs up next year, So this may not just be a pairing for Darius Slay. This may be be Darius Slay's replacement. So this is going to be really important, you know, for the Lions to lock up a cornerback early in this draft. It may be third overall. It may not be. Like we said earlier in the first segment of the show, they could be a prime trade destination for one of these teams wanting a quarterback because they have a lot of needs. This Lions team is, you know, they need offensive linemen, they need defensive linemen, they need linebackers, secondary help, a wide receiver opposite of Kenny Galladay. They need a lot of things. So this could be a team that could trade back and get more assets to use that capital on the roster. Um, but, man, I'd love the Jeffrey Akuda pick. To me, he's the top three player on this draft. I think you lock it in. Joe, Chase Young, Joe Burrow, and then Akuda for me is number three. He's, I, I told you the other day, I, I think he's the best cornerback prospect. I've scouted since Patrick Peterson. And to keep in mind, I, didn't, I wasn't really scouting before that. So I don't really have any you know, recent history before Patrick Peterson. But since then, man, This guy has the length, the speed, and the man coverage skills you look for in a lockdown cornerback. And to me, I just don't really see a fatal flaw to his game. I don't see anything that you can really point to and say, that's why he won't succeed at the next level. This guy has it all. I think this guy's gonna be a slam dunk pick for the Detroit Lions.
0: I'm with you. I'm excited about Akuda and I really like his fit in Detroit. I think that's of any prospect and team fit, I think that's one of my favorites, especially early on. But the next one, it may come as a bit of a surprise, but I have Andrew Thomas going <laughs> forth to the Giants, and I know Jer- Jedrick Wills has been a common slot there. He seems to be everybody's top offensive tackle, but I just think Thomas fits the hog molly mold that Dave Gettleman likes a bit more. And if you think about some of the guys he has drafted in years past, I just think he fits the mold a little bit more as far as what he's looking for. So I went Andrew Thomas at four to the Giants, and then I went to, with by Tagovailoa at five to the Dolphins.
1: Yeah, and the Andrew Thomas thing makes a lot of sense. I mean, you're talking about Dave Gettleman, who just loves, you know, trench players, right? Ever since his days at Carolina and now with the New York Giants, to Dexter Lawrence last year in the first round. I mean, how funny would it be if he took Derrick Brown with the fourth overall pick? I mean, the, the jokes on Twitter would be absolutely insane. Um, but, I mean, I think you're spot on with Andrew Thomas' pick. I think, you know, one, one of the three offensive tackles, Worfs, Wills, or Thomas, it wouldn't surprise me at all if one, of those, if one of those three went at number four, just because I think the Giants want to prioritize Daniel Jones as the centerpiece. And to do that, you either have to give him weapons or you have to give him help on the offensive line. And I think knowing Dave Gelman's recent history and knowing what this Giants team really needs, I think the Giants really hit on Darius Slayton last year. I think they feel comfortable with the wide receiver core. I think this is a team that really needs offensive line to help to protect Daniel Jones, keep him upright. Daniel Jones was pressured a lot late in the season. You know, I think he had, some, I think he had the most fumbles of any quarterback in the, in the league last year. So it's going to be really important to keep him upright to really further his development going forward. Um, but to a Dolphins pick, you know, obviously we're going to have to wait on his decision to see if he comes out. But if he does declare, I think, honestly, five is his floor. I mean, I I, I think some teams are going to trade up for him, maybe get ahead of Miami. Maybe Miami trades up in anticipation of someone getting up for them. But I just don't see how he gets past five. The Dolphins have been connected to Tua this, throughout this entire process. The Dolphins need kind of like a brand, a guy who can kind of carry their brand. And Tua seems like that kind of player. Uh, it's I like that, that connection is one of my favorite player team connections in the entire draft it just seems destined to happen so i love that fit as well
0: i'm with you i'm really excited about that man and you know the two pick we're going to get the decision today so we'll see what happens with that really excited about that but just continuing on uh, with the mock draft so at six i got justin herbert to the Chargers. seven i have Derek brown to the panthers and then eight i have cd lamb to to the Cardinals, which is really interesting just because the Cardinals could elect to go offensive tackle, but I think they have to find a way to get some weapons for Kyler Murray. And just with this being a loaded offensive tackle class, I think they probably can wait. And even though there might be a drop-off from, say, a guy like Tristan Wirfs or Jedrick Wills, which are two guys that are still available on the board, I just think the upside of C.D. Lamb, they can't pass that up.
1: Yeah, I love that you mentioned this because the connection between Cliff Kingsbury and play against CeeDee Lamb all those years, I, you got to believe that's going to you know, make a difference in this pre-draft process. When he goes up and interviews CeeDee Lamb or brings him in for a pre-draft visit in Arizona, you know he's going to bring up those Oklahoma days against Texas Tech.
0: Oh, without like, question. Cliff Kingsbury, <laughs> man, question.
1: He, he knows how much of a nightmare CeeDee Lamb was against the Red Raiders. And I, I, I truly believe, and it's in the Kyler Murray connection as well, man. You're talking about this just seems like a match made in heaven. C D Lamb, I I can see Cliff Kingsbury jumping on the table for a guy like C D Lamb, and I know like the other the GM the scouts they'll probably you know ask for offensive tackle they'll probably bring up you know Wurfs Wills whatever it may be, but I mean if, if two of those guys are gone and then C D Lamb's the best part on the board, there's a very good chance C D Lamb's the top player left on Arizona's board when they pick. It would not surprise me at all, given Cliff Kingsbury's history and then Kyler Murray's history with C D Lamb as well, that he is the pick in Arizona.
0: Definitely. And I think it just makes so much sense, especially reconnecting those two and Kyler Murray and C.D. Lamb. It makes a ton of sense for them to do that. So just going through the next few, few picks, I have Isaiah Simmons to the Jaguars, Jedrick Wills to the Browns, and then Tristan Wirfs to the Jets and also Jerry Judy with the Raiders. So out of all of those picks, my favorite definitely is probably Jedrick Wills to the Cleveland Browns, just because they have to find a way to keep Baker Mayfield upright and suffer a sophomore slump. Last year, and I think Wills definitely brings that type of bruising mentality that they need at offensive tackle. And then, you know, Chris Hubbard just didn't work out for them there. And then Greg Robinson, we know how much of a bust he has been since he entered the league. But Jerry Judy with the Las Vegas Raiders, that is another pick that I love as well, just because they're trying to figure out a way to bring some excitement, moving to a new city. You know, going to a new confines, I think Jerry Judy brings that type of excitement that they need. And they're still searching for weapons for Derek Carr as well. And I think Judy can bring that to the table.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Jerry Judy, to me, you know, I, I think it's got, it, you know, there's been a lot of talk about him as well, compared to Henry Ruggs, his speed, and all that. Judy, with what he's done this year and also throughout his entire career, has just proven he's going to be destined for next level production. This guy's going to be a number one wide receiver. I had C. Lamb as my wide receiver, one in this class but it's by a hair. I mean, Jerry Judy is just a, you know, one of the most refined route runners I've ever seen coming out of college as a college prospect. Uh, Jerry Judy is going to be awesome next level, like a Keenan Allen kind of player. Uh, I, I, you know, the Raiders make a ton of sense because I think that fits what Mike Mount's M.O. is, you know, guys who are smart, refined, and ready-made for the next level who are you know, quiet and, and not, not going to make a lot of noise off the field. Jerry Judy fits their M.O., I think it makes a ton of sense, and you know, a team moving to Las Vegas and you make a splash, that will definitely excite the fans over there.
0: I'm a big fan of Jerry Judy and what he brings to the table. And, you know, I'm a big fan of exactly what he brings to the table, and I think he can help that offense out a lot. But just moving along, so my first surprise of the first round comes at 13. I have Jordan Love going to the Colts. I have Javon Kenlaw at 14 to the Bucks, And then Henry Ruggs III going to Denver. And I'll explain that pick in a second after I go through Jordan Love. So we've talked a lot about him as far as, you know, play caller, the team that he has to go through, go to, I should say, and then he has to go somewhere where an entrenched veteran is already present. And then with Jacoby Brissett already being there, basically as the land duck option, the guy that's really going to get them through in order to while they're progressing or developing Jordan Love, I like the landing spot there, him being paired with Frank Reich. I like that pairing there. And then just going on to the Henry Ruggs selection with the Denver Broncos, I think this is a sneaky, really good fit just because of all the teams throughout the league that have an impressive young core, I think the Denver Broncos have a really good one. We saw what Drew Locke did down the backstretch of last year. Cortland Sutton is really coming along. Phillip Lindsay, we know what he can do. So they have some really intriguing pieces in Denver, and I think adding Henry Ruggs to that definitely can help them out.
1: Oh, absolutely. I-, I love the Jordan Love Colts fit because I- I've mentioned this before. I've even written about it on the draft network that there's not a prospect in this 2020 NFL draft whose next level success and production is more dependent on the team they get drafted to than Jordan Love. It reminds me so much of Deshaun Kaiser's situation coming out of Notre Dame to where a guy you see so much you know, talent and tools. But when Kaiser got drafted by Cleveland, Cleveland threw him out to the dogs. And he, it really just unraveled his career, I think. And that's what you know, a team needs to avoid doing The Jordan Love. I mentioned how the Jaguars and the Dolphins would be you know, worst-case scenario fits for Love based on enforcement in early playing time, unstable regimes, um, ownership. They like to you know, change coaching staffs you know, throughout the years. Um, so that, that's the worst-case scenario fit for him. But I also level two best-case scenario fits for Jordan Love, and one of them was Frank Reich and the Indianapolis Colts. You're talking about what does he need? He needs stability. He needs, you know, a quarterback coaching guru. Frank Reich is that. Frank Reich can going to be in Indianapolis long-term. This is a team that has weapons. This is a team that has a good offensive line. This is a team that's ready made and ready to win. But he doesn't have to play right away. He can sit behind Jacoby Brissett maybe for a year or two as the bridge before he's ready to take over. This kind of how Patrick Mahomes is able to sit behind Alex Smith for a year. So I, I really do believe Jordan Love, you know, going to Indianapolis Colts, he'll find a lot of production. That's one of his best case scenario fits. So I love that I love that pick for him. Regarding Henry Ruggs to the Broncos, I think the Broncos have other needs. I think they need to focus on more protecting Drew Locke, more so than giving him weapons. I think Cortland Sutton looks like the answer over there. But when you add that kind of speed, and Drew Locke had, you know, had, I thought he had the strongest arm bending quarterback in last year's draft. This a guy who likes vertical passing. He's something we did with Emmanuel Hall at Missouri coming out last year. Henry Ruggs is going to provide that same sort of skill set. He kind of opens up a different, you know, aspect that of the offense that Cortland Sutton doesn't provide. Cortland Sutton's more vertical separation to the catch point, whereas Ruggs is vertical separation before the catch. And he's going to provide that big play ability, that ability to go vertical. I-, I love Henry Ruggs, that fit to Denver. I think Denver has more needs, but if you want to really unlock the potential of that Drew Locke offense, bring in a guy like Henry Ruggs who's a game breaker. I love that pick.
0: Big fan of it as well. And Denver was kind of hard to pay just because all the offensive tackles were off the board. And I had to look kind of outside at some of their needs. So that's why the rugs pick really made some sense. So I'm excited about that. But just going through really fast some other picks that I did like. Uh, 17, the Cowboys. I gave them Grant Delpit. I'm sure you'll be a fan of that, even though he hasn't. Uh, performed up to par as uh, what we're accustomed to seeing in years past. I like the fit there just because the Cowboys have been trying to upgrade their secondary for so long, specifically the safety spot. So I like the pick of Dale Pitt there. I got the Raiders taking Kenneth Murray at 19, even though that may seem like a bit of a reach. I really like his fit there in Oakland just because we know they have a need at linebacker, and I think Kenneth Murray and what he has shown this year, I think he can bring plenty of things to the table uh, for them there. And then just going through some later picks, one pick that may surprise you. So I have the Dolphins taking J.K. Dobbins at 27, and I have to get your thoughts on that. Uh, so just overall, J.K. Dobbins at 27 to Miami. Would you be a fan of them taking him that early?
1: Oh, I would love it. I would absolutely love it. You're talking about going Tua Tagovailoa and J.K. Dobbins in the first round? You are setting a brand. You are setting an identity for your team for the next five to ten years. I absolutely love it. And I've brought up in every mock draft I've done for the Dolphins, you know, with the Draft Network. I think they're going to take a running back in the first round. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know who they're going to fall in love with. We talk about running backs like ice cream, right? So, which flavor do you like the most? That's what's going to be with Travis Etienne, DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, and J.K. Dobbins ultimately. So, you're going to see all these guys, you know, ranked differently on different boards. But, man, if you go Tua and then Dobbins, you are setting the tone saying, our offense is going to be different in 2020, and we're going to make a statement. We're going to say we're not going to do what we did in 2019 again. We're going to give Brian Flores the kind of capital he needs to succeed, and, you know, drafting Tua and Dobbins there creates that kind of statement. I love it.
0: Really excited about that, but I don't want to give away all of my picks, so really excited about getting your thoughts on those, and I was really excited about that. But my mock draft 4.0 is officially on the DraftNetwork.com. Make sure you go check that out. Of course, me and Jonah have went through our favorite picks of my mock draft, and there's some other picks for your team as well. So if your team does not have a first-round pick, I do want to apologize, Bears fans and some others out there as well. Uh, Next time, I will make sure to do a second or a two-round mock draft, I should say. So really excited about you guys to check that out. Again, check that out. My Mock Draft 4.0 on the DraftNetwork.com, But that is our show for today. And once again, I want to thank you guys for listening to the Locked On College Football Podcast. I am Jordan Reed. He is Jonah Tolles. And we are the Locked On College Football Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review as well. We will see you guys tomorrow. We will be back talking about the Tua Tagovailoa decision and what he ultimately decided to do, among many other topics as well. Thank you guys for listening.